Like most of human history, this show is filled with coarse language, is totally filthy, and is absolutely unfit for children. Listener discretion is advised. character here. All right, hold on. I need absolute silence. Eh, eh, Machiavelli, 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 strip the skin, Machiavelli, burn the boy, Machiavelli, bury him there, bury him there, there, bury him there, Machiavelli, Machiavelli, bury the boy, Machiavelli, skin him, skin him, Machiavelli, my liver, my liver, not your turn, not your turn, Machiavelli. Okay, okay, I think I'm good to go. Okay, you good? Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much the character. I that, was, that was, was very pretty, unsettling. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trunk Thunks. Uh, hi. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be a fun episode. I'm Michael. I, I'm i Brittany. And I am, unfortunately for all of us, Jake. Yeah. And so uh, we are actually, we're, we're finishing up part two of... Alexander Pierce. Yeah. He's been fun. Wow. He's uh, something of a character, and boy, this uh, this story's where uh, all the fun happens. Yeah, this is where we really, you know, it's listen, this this is where it gets away from the bones of the story, right? Yeah, well, this is where we separate the meat from the bones of the story. <laughs> um, so when last we left Alexander Pierce, he and the other seven men of his work crew had jumped the river seer, tried to escape by boat, realized that was a mistake, and decided to go into... Uh, inland Tasmania with really no idea of what they were going into. And no one else had any idea what they were going into either. Um, no European white person, no. The Aborigines did, and that's why they didn't live in this part of the island. Oh, great. Yeah. It's really bad when, like, the local people are like, oh yeah, no, that place is real, like, crap. We don't go there. <laughs> we only occasionally go in there because it's really awful. Yeah. Um. Too bad they didn't speak Aborigine. Too bad they, as Europeans, did not respect the Aborigines or think they had a right to exist. We can just say Van Diemen's Land, colon, too bad. Yeah. (laughs) First burp of the night, Brittany. As as always. You kind of have a record. I'm really, really sorry. According to Pierce, they had supplies for about one week. The flour and beef stolen from the miner's hut and the breakfast they had hoarded before jumping the rovers here. So So about one week of food for eight men. So they thought that they could just, like, what keep a spare biscuit between their butt cheeks for a week and that would be enough i think it was literally like they put food into their pockets yeah not so into their butts. no no not nature's pocket they're actually like, nature's pocket <laughs> i do like that that's <laughs> an old futurama joke um however there was a bit of a problem with their surprise uh, yeah with their supplies surprise <laughs> surprise you want to you want to say I that did. again <laughs> There's a bit of a problem with their supplies. All right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I did find a biscuit in my butt after all. Surprise. Oh, damn it. So basically the guys who are running the um, prison at Sarah Island, they had come up with a really clever idea to keep prisoners from rationing their bread for escape attempts. They went through and they added something during the baking process that would cause the bread to go stale and then rot very quickly. Does anyone want to take oh, a guess as to what that fun, is? That's fun, though. That's is a it, fun idea. That, that's actually very clever. Do you want to guess what it is? Is it uh, pouring apple cider vinegar all over it? No. No, it isn't pouring <laughs> apple cider vinegar de- filled with dead flies. No, <laughs> but that will sell pies if I have any good experience about it. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> what they put into the baking process was a fun fungi known as ergot. Ergot. Ergot, yeah. They put, ergot. They, er, ergot, wait, ergot. I don't, I don't know how to I'm not it. a person who studies fungi. No, me uh, But I do know what it does. Ergot, if you didn't know, is a fungus that is known to cause uh, hallucinations. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Like, they think that a lot of, like, cases in medieval Europe of people, like, freaking out and having visions, like whole towns having divine visions or whatever, they think it's literally from ergot poisoning. So yeah. these guys, um, had the, this had the fun side effect of probably making this group hallucinate due to a long buildup of ergot in their systems oh, over man. however long they had been at the island. Okay, they're taking, but can you, that was like, can you imagine? They're taking my dream vacation. Yeah, can you imagine what fun that would be on a camping trip? Be on a boat, just, just like with your buddies? Yeah. Fucking no, these aren't grass. like These aren't like magic mushrooms, though, and you're not like hanging out having fun. You're fleeing from guards who will, if you're lucky, brutally beat you. No, if they no, catch no, you. no. At that point, you're fleeing from fun. <laughs> You're fleeing from, like, dragons, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, zoinks, man. Oh, oh God, Green Hill, man. Look Guys. at that. It's like, I swear to God, I'm seeing, like, a Tasmanian devil. What if we become the dirt? <laughs> God. They can't take us away from the land if we just Become merge. the land. <laughs> we oh, man. Fuck. Martin, take off your pants. <laughs> We're gonna so. just merge. So to, before before we get too far back into it, can we do a quick recap on the people that are? Because yeah. there's there's several people on this journey. Yeah. Right? So real quick, we have obviously Alexander Pierce. He's something of the star of our show. <laughs> he's, he's a special boy. He is something of a character. A special. After boy. that, we have Robert Greenhill. Greenhill is the sailor. He's kind of the ringleader of this whole group, and he's the one who's doing their navigating. You know, basically using the stars. Okay. We have Travers, who is Greenhill's best buddy, and they're kind of a duo. Okay. After that, you have Alexander Dalton, Thomas Bodenham, William Kennerly, John Mather, and the oldest man of the group, a guy who is called Little Brown. Little Brown. Little Brown, who is just a poor old man who literally was an institutionalized criminal because he couldn't adjust to normal yeah. life. Little Brown got screwed out of like a really great doo-wop album in Tennessee and <laughs> Knoxville, and then... Uh, yeah, if only he were 120 years further. Yeah. We'll say 160 years later. Something like that, right? Wrong time, wrong place. Yeah. So, real quick. That's what we should title this episode. Wrong time, one place. Wrong time, wrong place. Fuck me, goddammit. <laughs> it's been a day. Hasn't it just? Okay, so if you can at home, I mean, you don't have to do this, but it will help help you a little bit. Pull up Google Maps look for Sarah Island, and then kind of zoom out a little bit, put it on satellite view. I'm going to try to lead you all through this as best I can without dragging down the episode. But it's going to help you to be able to see just what these guys are going through. Just the absolute terrible shit they were this in. This is the most sustained period of awfulness I've watched people go through that isn't like, you know, an attempt at genocide or yeah. something. Right. Like, as far as survival situations go, this is pretty rough. Yeah. So... They basically flee Macquarie Harbor, they destroy their boat that they were trying to escape in, and they flee east towards Mount Sorel, reaching its base by about 3 p.m. according to Pierce. By nightfall, they're more or less at the top of it, and in order to avoid pursuit, they spend the entire day picking the hardest paths up this mountain. Keep in mind at this point that they have been overworked 
on essentially starvation rations for, for like months. Months and months, right? So these guys are already starting it off pretty bad. And probably on a low-grade high from what rations they did have. Yeah, like literally they've got to build up a months of ergot in their bodies. Oh, man. And here's actually the worst thing about this, too. So they're doing they're going through all this extra trouble to avoid being tracked. Um, Lieutenant Cuthbertson basically almost immediately decided not to pursue them. Basically, he was like, ah, they'll either come back or nature would kill them. Uh, either way, you know, it's, it's not my problem. Solved. Yeah. So they basically picked these tortuous paths for no reason. Right. Uh, that, so all of that energy and all of that time for nothing. Yeah. And to make it worse, too, they get to the top of the mountain, they sit down, they probably gave a few muted cheers to celebrate, and then they ate the closest thing to a full meal they had had in months. So they're already overeating their rations. God, right out of the gate. Yep. And then as they went to bed that night, it began to rain. (laughs) Wow. This is fucking awful. (laughs) I feel this on, like, a spiritual level. (laughs) So the next morning, they get up, they go east, avoiding Gordon's River, again, to pursue... Or to avoid troops, because they think, okay, these troops will probably paddle up the river. Because They think they're way more the important mountain. than they are. Yeah. Um, basically, at this time, only a few of these geographical features have names, so we don't know much in the way of details regarding the route, only guesses. But they descended the eastern side of Mount Sorrel, forded the Clarks River, like I said, they avoided, avoided Gordon's River, and then climbed the Darwin Range, which is a steep, exposed, like, rock escarpment about... 2100 feet high okay um this would have basically they are picking like the worst route they can they're already digging into their oil or their energy reserves sorry not oil i don't know where (laughs) that came from uh (laughs) geopolitics i guess yeah i've i've got a little bit in the middle east on the brain right now as do many of us uh, as we should uh you know relevant yeah, you know, tossing, tossing the curds under the bus. Under the proverbial bus for the eighth or ninth time in the past century. Yeah, in the past, like, 30 <laughs> years. Yeah. So keep in mind, that's what they just went through, right? Yeah. You know, 2,100-foot rock escarpment. I'm assuming I'm saying that right. Once over this, they descend to what Pierce called, quote, very rough country. <laughs> Oh, that's when things got bad. <laughs> yeah. Once we climbed up the 2100 foot almost sheer cliff face, then it got real bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, by that point, they'd begun to enter into what's called impl- or implicate rainforest, which is the thickest, uh, most tangled, inaccessible type of jungle on the island. And again, when I say jungle, picture like the Pacific Northwest. It's like kind of a cool rainforest. Right. It's, um, it's like what you think of in Jurassic Park, the movie. Oh, that's actually more tropical than this. Oh, really? Even more than that? Yeah. Like I said, go Google pictures of a Olympic National Forest or a National Park. You get an idea of it. It's a very otherworldly-looking environment. All right. Um, so they basically uh, they'd gotten to this. They descended through the valleys, across drainage drainage creeks, and then across the Andrew River, which is situated in a very deep valley. Uh, basically, at this point, they're in an awful place. It is cold. It is rainy. They. It's basically going to rain for like the next five days on yeah. them, at least. Um, at this point, Paul Collins notes the vegetation here. Paul Collins, being the author of one of our sources, Hell's Gate, notes the vegetation here is literally the closest you can get to the natural home of dinosaurs at the end of the Cretaceous wow. period. Shit. So it's just... like it's almost unchanged. Right. Wow. So you're in this completely alien. Not only are you starving, high 
and stressed and terrified <laughs> and on the run, but you're also in this You're entirely... in a totally alien world. These people right. are from rural Ireland in most cases. Right. Like, at at best, they're, like, from, you know, England. Yeah. They're in a totally alien world. They have no idea what, like, how to survive in it. Yeah. Um, basically, Pierce and the other escapees would have had to cut a path forward. So they're already using up their strength, and they're having to use their axes to hack their way forward. And they've only got, like, going. one axe, right? Like, yeah. I believe they only have one. I believe Green Hill is the one who has it, which is a important detail to remember. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why? Um, at this point, they often fell cutting themselves and putting a terrible strain on their already weakened bodies. And they were only two or three days at Macquarie Harbor when they were going through this. Oh, my God. Uh, they didn't know it, but they're now pushing on towards the Andrew River, which I mentioned earlier, and onto the Engineer Range. The Engineer Range is some of the toughest country in the world. Even today, there is no walking track through this area, let alone modern road. Oh my oh god. Oh my god. By this point, they're going through some really awful vegetation, and I'm going to read a few extended passages from Hell, uh, Hell's Gates just to give you an idea of what we're dealing with here. Do it. Oh, boy, if you guys thought I was having trouble reading stuff earlier. <laughs> <laughs> we believe in you. They're also beginning to experience some of the nastiest vegetation in the world. Interspersed with the, with the beech trees and often growing around and through them, especially where fire distributed through the rainforest, was the notorious horizontal scrub. This type of scrub literally becomes horizontal rather than vertical. It basically grows about 6, and, six to 15 feet tall, and then it only grows out. Oh my god. What? The main stem grows vertical until it is forced to lean over under its own weight, then it spreads out, forming a thick tangle of horizontal branches. The whole process is repeated over and over as the further stems grow upward and then bend over under their own weight. The denseness of the horizontal, as it is called in the southwest, creates a near inaccessibility. There's simply no way you can move through it or stand upright in it. You are constantly thrown off balance. It tears at the front of your legs and your chest, and you can easily fall over and break a limb. Oh my god. There is no way of boring a path through it without an axe and much exertion. Even trying to hack a, even trying to hack a path is often unsuccessful. You can attempt to crawl beneath it, but here you find an uneven ground and a clammy, slippery, slimy, wet surface with fallen logs, moss, and debris. As you crawl along, the stems grab at your clothes and skin. And this is I'm quoting directly from the book here. It is soul destroying. <laughs> and no matter what you do, you quickly tire and become disoriented. So the best you can do is chop your way through, especially if you can't go around it. This is what our escapees would have tried to do. There's also another bit, by the way, where he describes, like, a few years in the future after this, someone tried to go through the same area, and they would try to walk over this. Same oh, type of climb Like, literally top. climb over the top. And basically what that guy said is, yeah, you can't maintain your balance, you slip constantly, and every time you slip, it tears apart your clothes and your skin. And your Shit. legs are just shredded. Yeah. Yeah. So literally, the only thing you can do is just try and hack your way through, and it takes hours. And there's got to be miles of this stuff, because it's untouched wilderness, and it's yep. had however the, long. Yeah, basically, the Aborigines don't come here. Like, yeah. rarely do they. There's another one I want to talk about, too. Perhaps the most vicious form of vegetation in the Southwest is cutting grass. Cutting grass? It's What does it do, Jake? <laughs> its name says it all. <laughs> <laughs> it cuts any exposed skin it comes into contact with and leaves a nasty wound that usually becomes infected and festering. 
It grows festering. It grows in tussocks two to three meters high. That's about nine feet. Oh, God. And often becomes intertwined with other clumps of cutting grass or attaches to branches and fallen logs. It makes movement forward almost impossible. So it's just a wall of samurai swords and you got to walk through it. Yeah. Wow. And this is like, literally, I picked those two as only the worst examples. He goes on. Like one thing that one thing that Paul Collins does really well that I like in his book is he basically got like essentially a wilderness ranger, like, you know, someone who works for the Tasmanian government who operates in this area. And he just had this guy go through and explain and describe each part of the journey. Oh, my God. And it's fucking awful. Like, the, like I said, I just picked those two as the worst examples, but there's so much more in it. Right. I mean, I get tired walking to the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> I get winded going out to my car in the yeah, morning. I, I, right. I was like, I get winded walking to work. Right. It's a five-minute walk. Right. Like, going up these stairs to go home is going to be a, a oh, battle. It's going to be a chore worse than I hear in the yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love cutting grass. Um, after four days, Little Brown, the oldest man in the group, was having trouble keeping up with the others. Why? <laughs> <laughs> according what, to pierce, according to pierce he by the second day he was quote suffering more by the fatigues of the journey than the others Aww. i just imagine them all like dragging themselves across the ground but little brown's just like a quarter mile behind them doing that's the same literally thing. what it's like yeah it's like by the literally by the second day he's already lagging behind. right but like doing worse is a very relative statement in this case where like yeah but he's doing obviously worse yeah this guy's on the edge then. yeah Aww. already um that night they made basically what's called a bush bread by mixing water and flour which was baked on the coals in their fire so that's the kind of food God. they're already eating. They're and like, where did they get the water from? Like, it's honestly, they're in a rainforest. It's raining constantly. That's the other thing, too. It's cold and they're soaked through because yeah. they're wearing like they're wearing like a wool jacket, wool trousers and boots. And at uh, Sarah Island, they're issued one set of clothing a year. And you need to make that last, and then, like, the next year, you know, if that clothing is still wearable, then you'd wear that under your new clothing, and then you have a little bit more protection. Yeah. But essentially, that's all you've At got. At the best, a few of these guys have a couple of layers. And they're doing, like, logging work. So And the temperature's a, dropping. And it's, well, it's potentially, like, if you get a tear, like, say you're doing the logging work, and you just catch your shirt on a branch and it tears, that's your shirt for the rest of the year. Yeah. You have to make that work. And they're going through... An environment made to shred clothing. And skin. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so after they crossed over the engineer range, they would find what is now called the deception range. <laughs> oh. Suckers. Oh, no. Lying on the north-south axis as the engineer range. So it's literally, it's like engineer range, and then right next to it is the deception range. So imagine you get to the top of the engineer range yeah. after crossing through all the cutting grass and all that bullshit, and there's another mountain range. And you just look up, and you see it, and across the top of it is cash for gold. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And your hope fades. Um... Although not as steep to climb as Mount Sorrel, the initial mountain they climb, the Deception Range is still steep and treacherous with the number of sheer cliff faces, and this problem would present itself very soon oh to them. Oh, God. To make matters worse, they were almost certainly trying to cover too much ground each day. So, like, more than ten straight feet? Well, no, I mean, they're, like, they're trying to push hard, so they're getting to the point where they're, like, tired, and they want to sit down, and they're like, no, we gotta keep going, yeah. we gotta keep going. Yeah. Which is not what you want to do, you gotta conserve your energy Because they're still can. convinced they're being followed. Yep, by this point, they had probably covered roughly 14 miles. That's kind of really impressive, It is, because considered. what they're going through, yeah, that's very impressive, but it's also not that far. Right. 
like no, not at all for four days right of travel. I mean, like think four about to what, five. Think it's... about what that means they have to do to get every foot of that. Yeah, it's it's brutal. According to Pierce, by this point, food was already running low, and there was quote not the least prospect of procuring anymore. They're actually in an area where there are plenty of edible plants and animals around, but they either did not know about them or are unable to catch them. And honestly, they probably wouldn't have been able to catch any of these animals had they been in good health. Yeah. And they already were. They were starting off with a handicap. Well, I mean, Or not a got, handicap. They're starting off with a big disadvantage. Uh, they're starting off with a death wish is what it really is. Yeah. By this point, relationships were becoming strained. <laughs> uh, the older <laughs> men... Yeah. <laughs> Understatement of the century. Yeah. Uh, basically, by this point, the older men, Brown and Kennerly, sometimes with some support from Dalton, were kind of already beginning to branch off and form their own group. They were openly talking about going back to Macquarie Harbor at this point, I which mean, I who can blame them? Seriously. Once you get over the engineer range, it's like, fuck this. I'd rather just get the it's lashing. Like at some point, what's the point of, like, being out of prison if, like... <laughs> This well, the is... worst the worst thing is they literally like they don't know what they're going into. They have no idea. For all they know, they're like, oh, we don't have to go that far, and it turns out they have to go real fucking far. Well, the other thing is that like even if they complete their mission and get through all of this, back to what the prison? Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're the they're back in Hobart Town, where yeah. the best hope they have is just not being recognized, right? But yeah. you're still in a prison town. Yeah, so. it's not great. Right, they're not on the sea anymore. It's not like they have their plans of escape that they started out with. Yeah, it, it's it's bad. So they're already talking about going back. Meanwhile, you have the more motivated men who are Greenhill, Travers, Pierce, Bodenham, and Mather. A larger contingent. A larger contingent, and they are also either the younger men. They, mm-hmm. in general, seem to be in better physical condition, and they have more of a psychological drive to them. Okay. These are the people who are, no, we're not turning I'm around. I'm not going back. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, it's also Pierce and Greenhill, the two men who have shown repeatedly that they just will not adjust to prison life. Yeah. They will rebel against it constantly. And it also includes, doesn't that include the most violent of the men as well? Actually, I think Kennerly was. Here, let was me he the look one? it up real You've quick. got the list again. Yeah, I've got the list. Let me grab it real quick. Actually, no, Bodenham. Bodenham yeah. was one of the more violent men, and he was in the group with Pearson, Greenhill, and Yeah, Mather so and they're Travis. not turning back. Yeah, no. By this point, the lack of good clothing, easy access to food, fear of the unknown, lack of knowledge regarding their location, and fear of pursuit must have created a considerable mental stress on these people. Yeah. I mean, I've had days where I was like, all right, you know, I've got 20 minutes to get to work, time to head out, and then it's like, I don't know where my keys are, and had, like, small, like, not a panic attack, but, like, when those things are, it's like, this is it, I'm fucked, I'm fucked, and, like, losing my mind. Right. These guys are going through unbelievable mental strain at this point already. As soon as they found good shelter and level ground on the fifth day, they stopped, and basically they just, actually, I'm going to quote Pierce directly here, and remained in a very dejected state until the sixth evening. So they literally, like, hit a point and just collapsed for a whole day. Yeah. Because that sounds and, awesome. But it's not awesome. It's not like, oh, hey, let's uh, we're out on a hike and we found a nice little glade and we're going to sit here. It's like their minds made them stop because they, it's a yeah. mixture of depression and exhaustion. And lack of food. Can I just, yeah. like, fantasize for, like, a minute? No. They certainly couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> welcome to hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's great. Welcome to hell. <laughs> Uh, by this point, it's like that stress and just physical exhaustion just, like, forced this on them. They yeah. didn't even, you know, they couldn't have gone on if they wanted just to. just became impossible to move. So, basically, as I've said before, at this point, their supplies were totally inadequate. 
and their poor diet at Sarah Island meant that they had very few reserve calories to begin with. So Collins did a great thing. I'm going to kind of go through his math here. The rule of thumb for daily calorie needs is to multiply the body weight by 20, right? Okay. So assuming the average body weight of these men was 130 pounds, which okay. is, maybe this is, you know, he has a a modern-day American man, seems a bit on the light side for oh, a no, full-grown adult. Oh, no, it definitely is, because I'm... Right. I'm not, I'm like, I'm almost 150, and I'm like a five foot two, 25-year-old woman. Yeah, well, but, like, I, don't so, think, I don't think Alexander Pierce is that tall. I well, think we're all taller than him. Probably. What? Well, I, he's not a big guy. No, and, and a lot of people weren't during this period, but yeah. also, we haven't been, you know, living on starvation rations doing hard labor yep. either. That's exactly it. Um, no, so, that's what I'm saying. Like 130 for an average man is right. is light. It's light. Is light. Yeah, they're yeah. But for an good. average man working in essentially concentration camp environment, no, probably not. Yeah. but as an average, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. So assuming you know the average weight of the men was about 130 pounds, they would need about 2,600 calories daily. A meal. Uh, just throughout the daily. day, like yeah, daily. Oh. 2,600 <laughs> at, at a minimum. <laughs> Oh, he was he was very hopeful. Oh. <laughs> a meal, no, like daily. Oh. Uh, Pierce and the others definitely weren't getting that at Sarah Island, where they were where they were safe. And the, obviously, they're definitely not getting that kind of calorie intake here. At this point, they're no. mixing flour and water and baking yeah. that on coals. Yeah, that's what they've got. I'm sure they're lucky if they can start a fire every night. Honestly, they are incredibly lucky to start a fire. We'll actually well, get like, to that later. Because it's the rainforest, isn't it's it? It's the like... rainforest. They've basically got like a small amount of tinder on them, and then a flint steel. <sighs> And basically, if they lose that dry tinder, that's it. They yeah. can't start a fire because you're right. Everything else is wet. Oh, fuck. So at this point, combined with their physical exertions and the cold, because at this point, impending or mild hypothermia was already occurring within the group. Already. Which is going to tear apart your mental state really It's quickly. also going to make you burn calories because you're shaking all yep. the time. Honestly, at this point, the strain must have been incredible. And by the way, fun fact, on this rest day, Kennerly jokingly said that he was, quote, so hungry he could eat a piece of a man. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Is this, uh, that's real funny, Kennerly. Knock knock. Real goddamn Who's funny. Who's there? Cannibalism. Uh, the, weak, the weakest one here. And uh... <laughs> oh no, no, it's not Little Brown making that joke. You know, no, that's what I'm saying. Is like that's Green Hill, just like knock knock. Uh, <laughs> little Brown. Uh... Who's there? Say who's there. <laughs> hey, little yes. Brown, why don't you come with a walk with me? Walk with me in the woods. <laughs> Bring that axe. <laughs> um, and actually, little, fun little fact, Brown, have you seen the Have you seen the Godfather? You know who Fredo is. <laughs> so we keep mentioning Kennerly. Kennerly was actually an experienced mariner, and by this point, he was almost certainly already thinking about this. It was like the law of the sea or the something. custom of the sea. That's it. Uh, as Pierce reports, they were about seven days in the journey when they began to seriously discuss cannibalism. God. By this point, they were negotiating the engineer range, so we're they're still going through the engineer range at so this point. So they're coming up a, on the deception you range. You have a group of, like, how many guys? Like, seven or eight guys? Uh, eight guys total. So you have a group of eight guys just, like, climbing up the side of a mountain, like, I, I think I'm okay with the idea. I'm just like, what about you? Well, it's literally, uh, Pierce says that, quote, four of us happen to be in front of the others. Those four were Pierce, Greenhill, Travers, and Mathers. And I'm going to quote Pierce again here. Greenhill first introduced the subject subject of killing one of their companions and eating him, end quote. Greenhill said, according to Pierce, that, quote, that he had seen the like done before, and it tasted very much like pork, end Ooh. quote. Well, 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 Greenhill, the barefoot contessa of human meat. I've always heard it tastes like pork. I, um, I knew a, my grandfather was a firefighter, and he had multiple co-workers who would not let anyone 
cook pork in their house or near them. Oh, because they've smelled, smelled it. Yeah, yeah. It, I imagine that would days. kind of ruin it. Yeah. It's, oh. like, um, it's like my aunt, who's been a, a surgical nurse for years, won't serve bone-in chicken because she says she doesn't bring her work home. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, that's fun. Oh, is, who is that, Michelle? Aunt Sue. Sue. Oh, I love Sue. Sue's a badass. <laughs> <laughs> so um, by the standards of other cases like this, such as the Donner Party or sailors who had to resort to cannibalism, the escapees went to this rather quickly, <laughs> like, compared or comparatively. Yeah. Huh. Didn't and they take, seem to have had less long. compunctions about doing so. Well, I mean, if you think about, like, one, a lot of them do have a seafaring background where this is, I like... I mean, Greenhill does. Yeah, this is a known thing, right? Yeah. And They've I mean, got necess- no food, and they're burning more calories than probably yeah. any oh, of us. Oh, definitely eating them. Like, yeah. even a healthy person is going to be struggling for yeah. this. And in fairness, actually, yeah, given their physical exertion, the extreme weather conditions, their mental status, all this... This is honestly pretty understandable. Right. So according to Pierce, uh, there's a brief discussion on the rights and wrongs of the practice, and then, quote, we then considered who should fall. <laughs> In quote. Apparently, Greenhill nominated Dalton. Well, I think that guy should die. Yeah. Yeah, and when asked why, he said that Dalton had volunteered to be a flogger. We don't know if this is true. There's no record of it. Wait, wait, wait. volunteered to be a flogger? So yeah, on that so island, like, when the, like I said, they had 17 guards, and a few of those guards went missing. So they would get some oh. prisoners who would basically like help out, and part of that was the prisoners would administer the flogging sometimes to okay. other prisoners. So he's like the least loyal prisoner of the bunch. Allegedly, but there's literally no proof that he ever did it. Yeah, so there's Greenhill... No pr- so Greenhill just said, hey, I volunteered to be a flogger, and that was... <laughs> and him behind you said, I never said that! Oh, I've been flogged? That's sucked and literally that was apparently enough because it sure did the trick and the others agreed jeez so um we're gonna read to you a bit of an extended account with uh young michael providing the voice of alexander pierce yes so when we stopped at night dalton brown and kennerly had a fire by themselves in a little break wind about three o'clock in the morning dalton was asleep Crane uh, got up, took an axe, and struck him over the head with it, which killed him as he had never spoke word afterwards. Travers took a knife and cut his throat with it and bled him. We then dragged the body to the distance, cut off his clothes, tore his insides out, and cut off his head. Then Mother, Trathers, and Greenhill put his heart and liver in the fire to broil, but took them off and cut them before they were right hot. They asked the rest, would they have any, but we would not eat any that night. Next morning the body was cut up and divided into equal parts, and we took and proceeded on our journey a little after sunrise. Whoa. <laughs> um, by the way, I just want to point out that cutting off the head is extremely common in almost every case of cannibalism for survival. Well, I feel like is it, it like gives when you, you get like a, a fish at a restaurant and you don't want to look it in the eye? It's, yeah, it's to was, turn it's to turn it from a person into meat. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. It, it, uh, the it, Donner it Party you, did it too. Yeah, it gives you that buffer. Yeah. of like right. I yeah. don't see a person's face. It's right. like, I don't even know this person. So I, meat. <laughs> I do need to make a note of something really quick. So um, basically, Pierce told his story three times. Once to a guy called Knopwood, who was a, a colony bureaucrat. We'll get to Knopwood later, but long story short, Knopwood himself did not believe Pierce. But the, guy, but the guy who was actually writing down the account for the interview did. So this is that's what's called the Knopwood Confession. That guy actually planned on selling the account to English newspapers after he kind of doctored it up it and like made a it a little bit more story. exactly. So he was going to go through and make it a bit moral and yeah. So that that is the first confession we have, and like I said, that one's a little bit doctored. He made another confession to Cuthbertson, which is called the Cuthbertson Confession, 
and then he made another one to Father Philip Connolly shortly before his execution. Hmm. Um, there's no record of the third one, since obviously that is between a priest and a man about yeah, to die. seal of confession. So basically what we're doing in this is we're going to pick the most likely stories from each account, essentially. Mm-hmm. The one that sounds the most true. Yeah. So I'll... You know, if we talk about one, I'll tell you which one we're using. Um, Collins notes that there is so much detail in the account that it's unlikely to be a fabrication. However, it is also worth noting that um, Pierce probably made himself sound a bit better in it. Yeah. I would very strongly bet that he and everyone else who, you know, refused something on that first night, I bet in reality they did not refuse. I would be shocked if they did not have any of Dalton that night. Yeah, I mean, even just at that point, the starvation, just even the just sa- imagine the just hunger. hearing somebody else eat would be enough to set you over the edge. Like, have you ever had like gone on like a long hiking trip and you get back and like someone's cooking like a steak or something? Like you can smell the cooking meat and that just like yeah, uh, yeah. Oh man, this is that to an yeah unbelievable degree. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, Mathers, Trevor, and Greenhill were the first to eat Dalton, apparently. Uh, the next morning, Bodenham and Pierce claimed they gave in and joined as well. Kennerly and Brown refused as they had become friends with Dalton. <laughs> well, oh, we liked him. Uh, that guy was okay. Keep in mind, Kennerly and Brown are the two who had kind of been forming their own group, and Dalton had been, like, kind Teetering of a bridge, but yeah. he was kind of throwing support in to Kennerly and Brown. Yeah. Oh my god! Um, at this That's point, so awful. At this point, part of them refusing is probably because they realize that they're now on the menu too. Well, they're one of the out crowd. <laughs> they're two of the out crowd, and they have no one to bridge them. And to... they're the oldest. They're the oldest, and little Brown was already struggling by day like two. Oh ladies. my god! Yep. Um, and actually, we got another little extended bit from Pierce. Michael, if you want to go ahead and do that. Okay. Uh, so this is uh, Pierce talking about. What exactly this is Pierce? So this is basically what happens the following morning. So they all go through, they divide up Dalton, and then they get ready to head out again. Oh, Lord. Kennedy and Brown say they would carry the tin pots and a little tomahawk, which they were given. They had not got more than a quarter mile till they were missing. We stopped and cooed after them, but got no answer. Nor could we see anything of them. And it sounded like, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. Cool. So, so yeah, basically the two older men, like, yeah, yeah, we'll get the pots, we'll follow up behind you, we'll take the other axe, because at this point they did have two, I was mistaken. Okay. And then, like, they just trailed behind everyone else and turned around and fucking legged it. Yeah, no kidding. So they got the Um, hell out of Dodge. Yeah. The night after they killed and ate a guy. (laughs) Yeah. Huh, you know, uh, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna take a, we're gonna take a half day. Um, it's fucking rough, man. Jeez. So they fled back to Macquarie Harbor. They ride back on October twelfth, twenty-two days after they had fled initially. Twenty-two days. Brown died on the fifteenth of October as a result oh. of like basically just. Did he make it exertions. back? They made it back. Um, Kennerly died on the nineteenth. So Brown went on the fifteenth. Kennerly on the nineteenth. They both ride back on the twelfth. Evidently, they made no mention of the murder. Because there are no snitches. No snitches. And honestly, I wonder if they were even capable of like, speaking by that point. Oh, they were probably terrified to say anything. I mean, can you imagine how much more they would have been punished or would have been scared of being punished? I, I honestly think by that point, they were so close to death and everything. Yeah. I bet they just, you know, they're like beasts in the yeah. desert. 
Yeah. And they took so they took one of the axes and the pots, like some of the pots. Yeah, they didn't take all the supplies, but I mean they took enough. Right. <laughs> this was so not to not to be like real fucked up about it. Basically, the other group just lost two sources of food. <laughs> right. And then, like, a lot of valuable supplies. They're walking larder, larder and, <laughs> yeah. and their supplies. I just supplies. pictured them, like, be like, yeah, we're just going to trail back a little bit. And then all of a sudden you hear, like, clanking of pots <laughs> yeah, and pans. they're, like, running away. <laughs> as they scurry back. Yeah, they're just like, we're just going to hang back a little bit. <laughs> clink, 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 clink. And they're, like, fucking... Get down like, here, little brown. We got to run. <laughs> <laughs> It's so not funny, but it's so. Anything it's funny in a dark way. It's, it's also honestly, you can make a pretty good dark comedy out of yes. this. Saying, like if you focus on like Pierce and all of them, and they're just like, all right, I guess they're gonna trail behind, and they're still walking, and all of a sudden you hear clanking in the distance, and just see, like, <laughs> like honestly, you just hear like, are you scared about them getting away? Psh, they ain't gonna run. <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> honestly, honestly, like now that I think about it, think about how scary that is. Imagine like. Imagine them, because I'm Fuck, sure they're not going, like, like, fast as they're running away. So imagine, like, hearing, like, as you're running away from these people <laughs> who have already killed and ate one of your companions. Just them, like, Brown, Kennerly, Kinnear, where are you? Where'd you go? <laughs> Brown, Kennerly, like, oh, God. Come back, we're waiting for you. Why don't you come on back, boys? Like, honestly, think about how scary that They're, like, be. looking through the brush, and you just hear in the faces, come here, and you hear... <laughs> <laughs> I'd shit myself. <laughs> so at this point, the um, <laughs> you're walking through the woods. <laughs> you're in Van Diemen's land, and nobody is around. <laughs> Out of the corner of your eye, you see him, Alexander Pierce. Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's a gun to your head and death in his eyes <laughs> yeah. um, so by this point the others basically pressed on essentially figuring that the other two weren't worth their time or energy which in fairness they honestly weren't right because at this point, you've basically committed. This is a walk to the death. You I mean, can't turn back. Yeah, there's nothing left. Obviously, you can't turn back because Kennerly and Brown did turn back and they died. Yeah. Cook. I mean, Christ. it's a kind of kind of a miracle that they made it back at all. Right. It really is. Well, so considering that when, they, when they, they can't they... navigate, the, the only one who can navigate is Greenhill because he, you know, Was... he can navigate by the stars as yeah. a sailor. So they got back on what day? They got back on October 12th, which was 22 days after they fled and initially. And then one died on the 15th and the other died on the 17th? The 19th. 19th. That's insane. Yeah. Because at that point, then that means they're already like being nursed and they're just, their bodies are so done by that point. Yeah. That's really sad. <laughs> so ahead of the main group is the Franklin River, which not named at this point. Crossing it proved to be a challenge because it's basically a, it's a river that's essentially cut a gouge into the landscape. Okay. This isn't like a nice, like, you know, sloping. It doesn't have banks. Yeah, it's it's like kind of a cliff almost. God. Um, at this time of the year, it would have been very difficult to get to, let alone cross. And Travers and Bodenham couldn't swim. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so the swimmers had to cross a narrow point with a pole, which they then used to pull the non-swimmers across, and then lifted up on their shoulders like a Three Stooges sketch, and turned around and whacked somebody. So once across, they made a fire and rest all night. And about this time, Mather appears to have been suffering from constipation because Pierce says that Mather took a purging. He literally like made stuff that would make himself sick because his body is filling with like crap and it's yeah. going i mean you don't have enough water to shit 
it's a mix of that. I mean, literally, it's like it's backing up into you to the point where you feel so like you're making yourself throw up because oh that's how you can make yourself feel good. Ugh. Or like not we even should, good, better. Should do an enema. Oh, no, yeah. shouldn't do a coffee enema. We're not talking about it. Um, so Pierce says that Mather, quote, took a purging and begged that we remain a little longer, end quote. Hey, can we, like, um, take a sick day? <laughs> can we take a half day? Yeah. Uh, by this point... Guys, this... I got a turtle head coming out, I promise. <laughs> That's literally it. Like, he's literally like, hey, guys, I'm can ground- we please stay here for a day or two just so I can shed? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm groundhogging. <laughs> right. Prairie dogging. <laughs> Prairie dogging! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rat race. <laughs> I was gonna say meerkat, but yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dog um, by this point, starvation would have been negatively affecting them, all of them, even though they had some prime Dalton on their pockets. Yeah. So they pockets. stayed for another day and night. Yeah, because that's it. They don't have bags. Well, yeah, we're also... Yeah. Oh, God. They, they oh, like, God, shove everything into, like, their pockets or, like, just whatever they had Is on Dalton them. just, like, so jerky just, now? Like, raw friend meat. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, it would have been more efficient so, to keep it on the bone, too. Yeah. I'm sure it was, like, in legs. It would have looked like something the Flintstones would have eaten. Yeah. But human. And just, like, tied off to your pants. eat the Flintstones. <laughs> um, ahead of them was what Pierce called, quote, very mountainous country, <laughs> quote. Ah, sure, what was behind us wasn't all that great. But, yeah. you know, then so the mountains. I, I mentioned the Deception Range earlier. This is when they come up on it. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> so um, it's like it can't, it can't, it like, can't get much worse. And then yeah. like, that's literally that's the that's the story. It <laughs> gets worse. It is every like a dark, time. stupid it comedy. By this point, the escapees must have been in a brutally pitiful condition. By besides starvation, they would have been covered in cuts, scratches, bruises, sprains, and abrasions. Many of them serious and some infected, especially the cuts from the cutting grass. It would have looked almost as bad as the dead guy. <sighs> God. Um. The ground would be slick with the rain, so just every time they're just slipping and sliding all over the place. They would have fallen over in filthy slime, which would cover their clothes and hands in any exposed surface. So they're definitely infected on yes. top of everything else. They would have been suffering from insect bites and having their blood sucked by leeches that would have always seemed to have gotten under their clothing. Trenchfoot would have also been affecting them by this point. Trenchfoot? Oh. Michael, do you want to take this? Oh my goodness. So, oh my when your God, feet are me. inside of shoes in a wet environment for an incredibly long period of time, a rot sets in. You can read really fun accounts of guys in World War One who would come off the line. <laughs> and they'd oh have God. to go to a hospital and have nurses basically use scissors and tweezers to pull their socks off their feet and a lot of times their feet would come with the socks Uh, oh my god fuck yeah yeah um Uh, nope Mm -hmm. and their physical estate would have almost definitely been impacted by their mental state (laughs) by this point they were almost certainly suffering from depression and hopelessness no kidding already well, wow. I mean, on top of that, they're coming down off of, like, a months-long sweet, sweet ergot high. Yeah. Because that would have worn off eventually. And I don't even think ergot's, like, a good high. I, like, I don't no think idea. it's... I, I think it's, I like get a, the impression it's not fun. I've never I smashed think, I any of that. <laughs> I think it's, like, a bad trip. I don't think it's a good trip. I, I mean, can't imagine. Yeah, who knows? It sounded kind of fun for the nuns in a lot of those medieval accounts, though. But they didn't have a lot I was going to say, yeah, anything sounds more fun than being a medieval nut. Yeah. I mean... Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, so here's the other uh, fun part with this part of the country of Tasmania. Basically, at this point, you have terrain that is difficult to find a good route through. Sure. Honestly, going back to Lord of the Rings, you're in, like, the fucking Imminuil, or whatever that place where Frodo and Sam met Gollum at. Yeah. 
where it's just like you're lost in rocks, essentially. Right. Often one has to backtrack or go in the total opposite direction of where you need to go. That has to be so demoralizing every single time. Yep. And honestly, like, this might be fine if you have lots of food and gear made for the environment, but the escapees had none of these things. They're literally starving to death at yeah. this point. With uh, no hope and no equipment. Yeah. Uh, like, honestly, I can't imagine, like, the strain on their emotions must have been just absolutely hideous. Just unreal. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, during this time, Mather had been entrusted with carrying the dry tinder that they need to make fires. Okay, yeah, the most yeah. important person right now. As they stopped to make camp one evening, he began frantically patting his shirt and trousers. He huh. dropped it. Oh, <gasps> you know, I swear, I swear, I left it somewhere around here. Well, I know as who he's the looking, next meal is. As he's looking for it, Travers raised an axe yeah. and told <laughs> Mather that if he didn't find the tinder. He would kill him on the spot. Yeah. According to Pierce, Mather found it at the last instant, avoiding a brutal death. Right oh my there. god! <laughs> I kept it in my belly button. <laughs> so at this point, they it was crawl- in my butt the whole time. It was in my butt. <laughs> so at this point, this they- guy just yanks out a turn and like it's tinder, it's tinder. <laughs> Light it on fire! Light it on fire! So at this point, they've now reached, and by the way, this sounds like something straight out of a D&D campaign, the Lightning Plains. Hell yeah. Mm, that's A flat, sick. open area covered, covered in what's called button grass, <laughs> which is a grass that grows on marshy, waterlogged ground. More water. It tends to be bordered by <laughs> thick vegetation, including cutting grass. <laughs> it is apparently this very slow. This place is hell. This yeah. place is hell. <laughs> There's a reason why the Aborigines don't go Fuck here that this often. Place. Oh my god. <laughs> It is apparently very slow to move through on foot. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, why? (laughs) By now, hunger was a problem once again. Because what we found is that human flesh is rich in protein, but it lacks the carbohydrates you need for energy. You don't have any long-term energy to burn. It's literally, it's just, you eat it and it makes you feel good for a little bit, but it doesn't do anything It literally just fills your stomach. Yep. Yeah. It's the same problem do with like eating. Ha- people still- die eating rabbits in the well, like rabbit starvation. Yeah, yeah. Is that what happened to the one guy, the um, into the wild guy? Yep. Yeah, at least one of the one theories. Of the aspects of what happened. Yeah. Do they yeah. still have friend jerky? Um. Well, according to the Knobwood Confession, the party began to have a discussion about one member sacrificing himself for the group. So now they're full into the like custom of yeah. the sea type discussion. They agree to draw lots, <laughs> which like, is straight oh, out of just... custom of the sea. That's what you're supposed to do. So with the custom of the sea, you all draw lots, and the person with the shortest straw gets eaten. And the person with the second sh- second shortest straw has does the killing, the killing and the butchering. Yep. yep. Oh my God! Fuck. So um, they agreed to draw lots again, according to the Knopwood Confession, which we need to remember is the, you know, le- has been the less reliable. Yeah. Yeah. And Bodenham comes out the loser, according to the confession. He asked for and received a half hour prayer before Greenhill and Travers, again the executioners, sent Pierce and Mather away. Bodenham was struck on the head with the axe by Greenhill, had his throat slit by Travers. And the two of them cut up Bodenham for serving. <sighs> oh my god. Um, again, as I said, I mean, this version, it, this is contrived. This, this, this feels doesn't very... Doesn't smack of, like, 1700s, 1800s, like, English it's, moralist. Yeah, it's like, so, like, clean. Right. I feel like it's, it's more likely that... Even if, even if this bit wasn't doctored up, this is probably something that Pierce said to make himself feel better. Right. Um, well, yeah, more than likely that, I mean, they thought that they were... It, Pierce talks about it like it's some kind of civil execution, but somebody got into a uh, uh, an argument and yeah. smacked him with an axe. Well, I mean, honestly, there is one thing that is very helpful about the Knopwood Confession here, though, is it's probably a pretty accurate group of like depiction of the group's psychology by this point. Yeah, Greenhill and Travers are becoming increasingly dependent on each other. 
And with Bodenham's death, Pierce and Mathers actually drew, drew together as temporary allies against the other two. Because they just didn't want to be picked next. Well, now it's 2v2. Right, and they don't and, have the axe. Yep, they don't have the axe or apparently the throat-slitting knife. Yeah. So the Cuthbertson account is a bit different. In this one, Pierce says that Mather, Travers, and Greenhill had the discussion amongst themselves while Pierce was away. That's mighty convenient. Yeah, isn't that nice? Mather and Pierce got sent away, and Greenhill and Travers commit the murder, except this time, you know, Bonham doesn't know it's coming. Right. Which, oh god. I mean, in all reality, it was probably, like, an exchange of, like, glances and looks. I, I really think that is, because at this point, honestly, at this point, they're probably acting more like animals than people. Basically. Oh. Yeah. You would, you would have to. Yeah, it's, There's no it's way honestly, to survive in a place like that where, like, you can act like honestly, yeah, you're, yourself. Honestly, yeah. Right. Um, it's much more likely that Pierce is probably involved in the planning that he and Mather were in on the murder and are probably pleasant or present when it happened. Yeah. Not pleasant, sorry. I mean, yeah, they um, may have even, once they saw it was going down, started to participate and hold him down. Yeah. Possibly. Imagine, like, sleep, like camping with your friends and you wake up, like, your friend's holding you down. Yeah. Honestly, That's this is... That's fucking terrifying. There's a reason why I wanted to do this story for October. Yeah. Because, <laughs> ooh, it's spooky. You can feel it in the air. As this is just horror movie. It really is. <laughs> this is not trick-or-treating, guys. This they, is just trick. This is just trick. <laughs> it's trick and eating. I called safety. <laughs> oh, he only looks his, free. His last words were, guys, I said this was base. <laughs> um, that night they ate Bodenham's heart and liver, and they feasted on his body and spent the entire next day resting. <laughs> um, a decade later, the surveyor William Charlin came through this area and found human bones wrapped in the remains of a convict's clothing. Oh, oh my we god. We obviously don't know, but we can assume that this heap of bones is all that was left, left of Tom's I'm Imagine honestly, come up and be like, are these... Well, there, there are big this? animals there. Yeah. There's like well, Tasmanian just... devils and Tasmanian tigers. Well, I was just saying, I'm surprised they left the clothes. That's Honestly, I am point. too. I yeah. mean, maybe I didn't even was... think about it. They were probably so tattered at Honestly, you know what? Tattered or like soaking Honestly, wet, it's I've... like... Soaking wet, and honestly, probably soaked in blood. Yeah, like because I'm sure they didn't undress Bowden before they axed him. Well, they didn't have time. It sounds like. <laughs> Can you imagine waking up to that, like guys? <laughs> well, I just imagine Charlin, this guy coming through and finding him, like, huh, is this a, this is a femur with corn cob holders on either end? And... <laughs> <laughs> honestly, think about how scary that would be. Imagine like finding a bone and then you look at it and you see that it's been scraped clean with a knife. Yeah, oh. there's like gnaw marks on it. Yeah. <laughs> The four men walked on for three more days, subsisting off of Bodenham's remains. It's amazing which, that it kept them that long at all. Yeah. And actually, that's even what Pierce says. I mean, he is. I have a quote from him directly here, which, quote, scarcely kept the faculties in motion. So they're just, quote. like, walking in that kind of, like, blank movement yeah. space. And honestly, that's the other thing, too. Like, all this is awful. Imagine how boring it must have been. Yeah. Or, You're like, just walking. Yeah. For and, like, hours. how, like fucking weird can you imagine like going camping with your friends and then like slowly one by one you like kill them and like do you talk about it like do you like <laughs> i'm sure i am positive they did not discuss yeah. it after they just was just kind of like Fuck. yeah <laughs> like you just wipe it and try and move yeah you're just like keep walking that's so that's so crazy yeah starving exhausted and beset by paranoia the four began their ascent to the northern end of the king william range an area notorious for very dense brush. Oh, dense like the other shit that they've already walked oh, through. Oh, yeah. you mean like cutting grass? God, that, isn't that awful? Fuck That's the that worst thing fuck. I can imagine. That's terrifying. Just like he was um, like, oh, grass, and just like touching it. So like... actually, here they saw lots of games such as kangaroos, but they were unable to that's, catch that's any. 
Oh, that's, that's almost worse because it's just watching. Oh, that's it's like watching a, a meal. Yeah, that's that a slap in the grab. face. It's like the punishment of a Greek god. They, they <laughs> you know that like video where like the kangaroo's attack that guy's dog and he runs up and yes. punches in the face. Yeah, they would have given anything just for that opportunity, just for the to chance. get close to one. Yeah, the kid. I forgot about that. I love that. That's you. Just like. <laughs> oh God, I want to get close. Have you seen a kangaroo? They're jacked. They're. Oh, they they're huge. Like, they're like six feet amazing. tall and ripped. They're, they do have like crazy biceps. They're honestly very frightening. <laughs> but like if ch- if like a kangaroo is attacking a chunk. A kangaroo is like a, oh yeah, no, if they were attacking chunk, I'd murder it with a rock. Yeah. But no, like <laughs> they're like six foot tall ripped guys with knives on their feet. <laughs> or feet. I said feet. <laughs> Multiple no, but <laughs> like this reminds me. So there's like a famous story in Greek mythology of of a, a guy that was his name's Tantalus, uh-huh. and he's punished so that he's in water up to his chin. So he's always just barely above water. But if he ever tries to bend his head down to drink, the water moves away from his mouth. <gasps> And there's low-hanging fruit on limbs right above him. And if he reaches up for him, the limbs pull away. So he can never eat or drink. Um, and this is sure knew how to do punishments. Man, didn't they? But it's like, this is kind of what it's like. Like, can you imagine yeah. walking? You can't move quickly enough because you're in this And what you don't brush. know is like, if you drink the water, you're making yourself sick. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's no, there is no rest from yeah, this. Yeah, you don't win. Oh. So despite the certain assurances, though, they have basically killed Bodom. What you find, and I haven't talked about this until now, is basically each time they kill one of like one of their number, the rest like basically get into a big group and they're like, we're not going to do this anymore. We can't do this anymore. Right. We're all friends here. And they all like make assurances oh, that they're, no. we're all on the yeah. same side. Um, despite well, you have it, to. You have to eat them together. It's bringing everyone in on the crime. You all now share this. Right. You don't have a choice. Yeah. So despite assurances that they would, quote, would all die before any more should be killed, end quote. Mather apparently approached Pierce at this time and tried to talk him to splitting off from Greenhill and Travers, saying he, you know, quote, he, you know, meaning Greenhill, would kill his father before he would fast for one day. I mean, quote. yeah, we're at honestly, that point. It hits a point where, like, honestly, you, the you, fact that I mean, Greenhill and Travers keep doing it. Yeah. They, um, it hits a point where, like, I mean, they're going crazy. Like they they've gone absolutely yeah. I mean they're feral. yeah they're feral. Well at this it's point not even yeah crazy. It's it's beyond that. It's just I am not gonna die. Yeah. I that's to die. That's honestly what they're getting at. Yeah. Before I die. So a few days after this, while Mather is sick, Greenhill suddenly seized the axe and attacked him. Mather is able to fight him off and seize the axe for himself and tossed it to Pierce. And for whatever reason, Mathers didn't try to get revenge on Greenhill. Wait, so Greenhill is just, like, violently shooting Gre- Like, himself. literally? No, like, they're literally, like, just hanging out at camp. Oh, and he's Greenhill just, just grabs sick. the axe and just goes after Mather. Mather is still purging. He's still, like, making himself sick to throw up because he's okay. constipated. Yeah. Oh, my God. So in the middle of that, Greenhill just, like, I can get him now. I can get him right this is, now. This just is the time, him, yeah. Like, goes after him. So, like I said, Mather fights him off, gets the axe, tosses it to Pierce but then doesn't do anything. And that's a real big fucking mistake. Because what we find, like, not only does he, A, you know, fail to kill Greenhill, who is by this point the, clearly the most dangerous person in the group, yeah. he just showed Pierce that he isn't a killer and that Pierce can't rely on him. What we see is Pierce immediately after this starts siding with Travers and Greenhill against Mather. Because they realize that yeah, because the Mather's the one that won't kill. kill. 
yeah, and basically from Pierce's thing is he can't rely on Mather anymore. Right. Mather has shown that when push comes to shove, he can't kill someone. If it comes to a final yeah. showdown. Which, honestly, that's, oh, God, that's terrifying. Because you imagine being Mather at this point. Right. Where and you're watching your only ally start visibly drifting away from you. Right. God, I can't imagine. That That is honestly, this, this whole story is honestly very frightening but that's where you that's lose that's it. the bit where it's like i can't imagine the terror yeah i really can't yeah me neither. basically you have the green hill attack on mathers right or yeah. mather pierce is immediately drifting away from mather so the story of mather's murder we have two different versions and actually weirdly enough we're going to use the knopwood version which is actually probably the more accurate you feel like too. in this case it's actually going to be yeah. closer to the truth i really think it is so according to the knopwood version after this first attack mather becomes more and more fearful and defensive he's spiraling out yeah he's especially worried about the alliance between greenhill and travers he tries to draw closer to pierce oh but God. at this point pierce has now fully shifted over to greenhill yeah and travers. that you're right that is just terrifying like imagine like going up and sitting next to someone who is by the way your friend right Mather and pierce were friends right and sitting down and being like i'm worried about those guys and your friend looks at you it doesn't up. say anything gets up and goes and like moves away from you oh that's fucking scary that's and you're, that's, <laughs> and you're already in hell yeah you're like may as well die <laughs> yeah well mather realized that he was the obvious target now tried to keep distance between himself and the other so he would try and do his own little separate camp or, like, say if they were all on one side of campfire, he'd sleep on the other side. And he's always got to, like, he can't even, like, leave. He's got to keep following them. Because Green Hill's the only one who knows how to navigate. Right. Yeah. Fuck. If um, he can even see the stars in this environment. Yeah. Right. Um, but eventually he, at some point, either fell asleep or dropped his guard. Oh, and no. all three jumped him, dragged him to the ground, and struck him on the head with the axe, killing him. The three men divided up his body, ate their fill... And carried the rest. Jeez. Um, so okay, so I'm I'm trying to keep count here. So there were eight men to start. Two eight of, men. Two of them left. At and this point, three have been eaten. Mather, Bodenham, and Dalton. Okay, yeah. I was Kinnerly like, and Little Brown tried to go back and died. Okay. And so now we're down to Pierce, Greenhill, and Travers. Right. And basically, what Pierce did here was he made a short-term, like, smart decision. It's incredibly. Risky. Someone's gonna be next. Someone's going to be next, and Greenhill and Travers aren't going to betray each other on Pierce's account. They've been butt buddies from the beginning. Um, there is <laughs> actually okay. an allegation that they might have been either oh oh um, either actual like uh, homosexual lovers or just kind of a prison lovers. Yeah, like hey, we're here, and you know we can like prison bitch. I mean, not even that. I mean, literally, I think it's something like, hey, we're here. There are no women here. So, you know, I'll give you a hand. You give me one. Like, I'm not even saying that to be like gross. That right. just happens. Yeah. It's oh. a prison environment where, like you said, there's like there's two and a half thousand men. And, maybe and these guys are on Sarah women. Island, which right. is even yeah. worse. It's 170 inmates. Not a single one is a woman. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm. Yeah. And, I, and actually, Pierce is a quote there's... and I love it. It's re it's wonderfully vague. It's something to the effect of. They made their respect for each other known in many ways. Something uh, like that. Oh, I mean, like I said, we I mean, don't like, know. It's just conjecture. Yeah. And they might have just been, like, weirdly, like, really good friends. They're in a, Yeah, they're in a place where, like, they're not going to be shown any affection, any love, right. any kind of, like... Right. Yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, I, I get it, I do, guess. Do what you gotta do. Yeah. I mean, shit, I... <laughs> We're all God's children. I'm, um, I won't judge. But, yeah, so basically, Pierce... On the one hand, has probably 
bought himself some time because I, I honestly I think all that matters at this point. I think his instincts were right. I think if it were him and Mather versus Travers and Greenhill, Travers and Greenhill are killers. Pierce hasn't had to do it himself yet, but he can be a killer. I think Mather can't. Right. And so what's going to be the end result there is, you know, Mather's going to fail Pierce and get them both killed. I think. But again, he's now the odd man out in the group. The obvious choice. Right. So at this point, they've crossed the King William range, and the three enter into what are called the Navarre Plains, which is like a flat, dry, semi-alpine landscape. That's heavenly compared to literally everything you've described. Yeah, they're they're out of, like, the rainforest. You know, it's better. They're at least easier walking now. So now you can, I don't even want to call it walking, you can stumble forward yeah. in a general Hike. direction. Right. You can crawl. It reminds yeah. me, honestly, I have a mental image of them. I remember reading an account from Verdun where it described troops coming off the line and said they, like, staggered forward drunkenly. So it's they just like kind of like carrying you. Yeah, like just like that. That's honestly kind of what I picture them doing at this point. There's right. actually a bit where like even just like Greenhill carrying the axe by this point, he would have been so tired that just him holding that axe would have thrown him off balance. Mm-hmm. And He's it's probably actually... just using it as like a weight to keep himself grounded at that point. Yeah. And honestly, this is the point where Pierce has an unbelievable stroke of luck. Uh, they're walking through this area, and Travers got bitten by a snake. Uh, he got bitten probably by a tiger snake, which is one of, like, two venomous snakes in Tasmania. I think it's Jeez. actually one of two snakes in Tasmania. I'm not sure. So I have the symptoms here. I'm going to read them to you. The bite of the tiger snake has a neurotoxic effect and can cause a range of reactions. But usually the first symptom is a massive frontal headache. Vomiting can quickly follow, and the victim lapses in and out of consciousness. The poison flows through the lymphatic system, and the nerves controlling the heart and lungs can be adversely affected. It can also cause paralysis and respiratory failure. Oh my god. Bleeding often occurs from both nose and ears. Blood clots occasionally form, and a heart attack can result. Oh my god, fuck. (laughs) But honestly, for Pierce, this is the best thing that could have happened to him. Well, he, he broke up the buddies. Yeah, it broke up the buddies... It essentially, it made sure that if something happened, it was going to be one-on-one now. Yeah. So it what happened? the odds. Yeah. So at this point, Travers is fully convinced that he's dying, and he begs Greenhill to leave him, according to the confessions. Yeah. Greenhill refuses, and the three men wait with Travers for th- for five days. <gasps> I don't believe it. That he's is like... that is what Pierce said in both confessions. Yeah, but how could they, I mean, like, they didn't have the food i i don't know how they managed it i feel like at this point either green hill is so delusional about keeping travers alive this is, this is the reason why some people think that they were like in love with each other or yeah. something yeah he's just, just it's like the last scrap of humanity that green hill has to hold on to yeah but green hill is also the one with the axe yeah so he can't it's not like so, it's not like pierce so- can fight him off or, or force a decision. Yeah. So Greenhill and Travers is that's who um, people. Yeah. Are those like... are, those are the duo. Those are the two who have been doing the killings together. Greenhill hits him with the axe. Travers cuts the throat, and then they cut the head off. Okay. For for some reason in my mind, I was thinking Greenhill and Pierce. No. No. Like I said, but Pierce it's... is Pierce has kind of been like a, in with them a bit, it seems but like he's he is kind still of been the underdog man. this whole time. He's always on the yeah. outside. Yeah. Like okay. I said, I I can't remember his exact like. He's not a big guy, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. him versus any of these guys in a one-on-one fight, I don't give it to Pierce. Hmm. Oh, but anyway, that's, oh, that's so sad. So, th- <laughs> fuck. 
No, so, not Pierce, the yeah, whole Traverse no. thing. So yeah. they wait with Traverse for five days before they try to set off again. God, oh, they have God. to just Green Hill and Pierce half dragged and half carried Traver across another mountain range, probably oh. the Wentworth Hills. Oh my These god. These guys can barely be alive. Yeah. I, I can't and even then, imagine. So they get over that mountain range and then they cross the Nive River. Keep in mind, Travers can't swim. He can't swim. He can barely, he's barely alive. Yeah. Shortly after this crossing, Greenhill apparently accepted the writing on the wall and spoke with Pierce, saying, quote, It is of no use being detained any longer by Travers, and we will serve him as the rest. Oh my god. They're going to eat a. Yep. Is that still dangerous? I mean, he's still, he got bit by a. Uh, that's what I was snake thinking. Like, is neurotoxin. It, is like, but is apparently, that, like, safe like, to eat? Apparently, the snake it doesn't give a ton of venom. Like, okay, I don't know. So I, it, I legitimately it, don't know if it wasn't enough to eat. kill him. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if it affects the complications, killed him. I right. Yeah. Like, do I mean, like, does it affect the meat or is it like just the blood? I don't know. I would think that would, that it would affect meat, but I legitimately don't know. Yeah. If you're listening and you know, let us know. Yeah, yeah please. please. I'm like honestly kind of curious because so as soon as they, you said that he was bit by a snake, and I was like, oh, they're gonna eat him, and then I was like, no, wait, like, would it fuck with the meat? Or... I would think so, but I legitimately don't know. Yeah. That's a really good question. Uh, here's the thing: but if I is, came across I, yeah. an animal that had been bitten by a snake and had died of the poison, I wouldn't try it. But this that's is my six, thought process. This is at least six days later though and he hadn't yeah. died that's true so i don't know so at this point the uh the two waited for travers to fall asleep and killed him with the axe that's the oh. most merciful thing they've yep. had yet cut his throat mean... for good measure and then they butchered him they spent the next two days eating and resting so at this point greenhill and uh, pierce are probably about 10 to 12 miles away from the nearest sheep run but they don't know that yeah they don't know it. they have no idea God. Uh, they were also in aborigine territory <laughs> The Aborigines, who, keep in mind, will basically, if they find, like, a white guy out in the wilderness, they'll kill just spear him and kill him. Yeah. yeah. If they think they can get away with it, they'll do it. And again, I, who can blame them? And also, so keep in mind, they're undergoing all that stress. And now they're in an area, like, they come across, like, former campsites. Yeah. They know that they're in a territory, they're in danger. And we're so over think about, 30 days out from them starting. Yeah, so think about all that, even that extra added stress right. on top of it. Now they have to be covert while they move. Yeah, at this point they were in a very poor condition, and I'm going to Michael read another Pierce quote just to give you an idea of what they're like. So, Michael? We were terribly reduced in strength and their constitutions dreadfully impaired by the fatigues of this distressing journey. Being exposed to the night dews and cold, they being nearly naked and quite barefoot, their flesh was dreadfully lacerated and torn by the rocks and briars with ulcers showing themselves in several parts of their bodies. At, th at this point, they're more naked than clothed. Also, I had a big shit stain on my pants, and that really put a damper <laughs> on the whole fashion situation. I was quite embarrassed. <laughs> Jesus. It, it does, like, really just, like, kind of surprise me that they don't he, they don't take their clothes, but I don't know. Like, would you want to carry, like, 20 pounds soaking? Honestly, I, mean, I bet they're at a point where literally, like, the idea of, like, like just, fuck, that's just care. extra effort. Yeah. yeah. I really think fuck. that's it. It might be, but, I mean, at this point, maybe he's just not mentioning that they do, because I, that could be it. they're Actually, also carrying, no, I mean, so keep I totally forgot they're one carrying of... the dismembered parts of their companions in their pockets. Yeah. It's not no, like they're afraid that, of being I was going to say, that is something. Um, I did forget about this. In one of the confessions, I think... I'd have to go back and check. I think they actually do confirm that um, Greenhill killed one of the guys and then took his jacket. Yeah. Like, specifically, like... I mean, at that point... Why not? Like, yeah. it's, just gonna, to. it's just gonna, like, sit there and waste. Like, if you're gonna eat your friend, fuck, right. take his clothes, too. Shit. Yeah. We've already reached the point of no return here. Yeah. 
Um, at this point, Travers' meat didn't last the too long, and Pierce and Greenhill began to watch each other warily. They probably were, I mean, they probably didn't <laughs> eat that much of them. They probably were scared of eating the meat. Honestly, yeah. And, I mean, I believe, I can't remember, I think Greenhill's, or not Greenhill, sorry, Travers' foot was, like, getting green by this point, too. Uh, I'm sure they both had a lot of issues. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, so Greenhill, honestly, have either of you seen a Treasure of the Sierra Madre? No. No. So I don't want to give away too much of it, but it also is a movie that came out in like 1948, so... Spoilers, you know, Jake. Yeah. God. It's not as if you guys haven't had the time to watch it. Yeah. Um. There's basically a bit where the third member of the group in that movie gets separated off, and one of them has the idea of, I can just kill this other guy and take all of our gold. And it's literally like one of them has the gun and is just constantly watching the other one who's going crazy. Yeah. Um, basically, at this point, Greenhill always has the axe in his per- or possession. He never gets rid of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pierce always made his own fire, quote, at such a distance from Greenhill as he considered far enough to prevent an attack, end quote. Apparently, neither slept much in this time. They're just sitting there watching each other with yeah. half-lidded eyes. Yeah. Fuck, how do you sleep? Like, yeah. <laughs> You, if, you if can't. You, legitimately, you sleep when you watch the other person and you're convinced that they're asleep. And you're convinced that they're not playing a game Which is probably you. never. Yeah. I I'm, Honestly, I bet it happened other. literally where they just both just, like, crashed. And yeah. they'd, like, sleep for, like, 20 minutes and wake up fitfully. Yeah. And they're in such a state that you probably couldn't silently get to the other person. Yeah. Um. However, despite his better arm... In, uh, armament, you know, the axe, Greenhill has a significant disadvantage. He was the one who had done the lion's share work of moving Travers. He's been carrying all that weight. Yeah, he's, he's been tired. expending a lot of energy that he doesn't have. Yeah. And his, perhaps this knot. spurred... And honestly, I think Greenhill knew this, because according to Pierce, he actually makes a few goes at Pierce, who maintained... Basically, Pierce is like, yeah, he went after me a few times, but I, I was I was watching for it. I had enough energy to scurry. Yeah. That oh, seems to be shit. how Pierce has survived his entire Pierce life. Pierce has just kept his head down. Well, yeah, Pierce is just always far enough away from the group that he can benefit from being on the he outside, yeah. but never be close enough to risk himself. He but a lot of that's according to Pierce. That's also true. Yeah, he doesn't attack... He just... Yeah, he's trying I, to make himself look more innocent. Yeah, because keep in mind, the Knopwood... So, long story short, the Knopwood confession is the confession he makes... This is his first confession. Yeah. When he, he kind of has a... I don't know, he has a bit of a hope, I guess. He's not convinced he's going to be executed yet. Yeah. The Cuthbertson confession, as we'll get to, he knows he's going to die. Yeah. Uh, basically, these two kind of have a game of cat and mouse for a few days as to who can stay awake the longest. God, and eventually, hell. Pierce God, is the I winner. Thought I would just, I fuck, kill me. I don't care. Yeah. Just like end it. Yeah. So basically, Pierce comes out the winner. Uh, Michael, do you want to go ahead and read the deed? One evening, while he was asleep, I crept slyly to the brush where he lay and took the axe from under his head, gave him a severe blow to the back of the head, which deprived him of his life. Cut off part of his thigh and arm, which I took with me, and went for several days until I had ate it all. Uh, yeah. So he, so he didn't take the whole body, he just He, he took... probably legitimately just couldn't physically there, carry yeah, it. Yeah, it just was, yeah, it was probably too heavy. Yeah, I think it was too heavy and he was just too tired. He just took the fattest parts of the meat. Yeah. Was the thigh and the, what, arm? Thigh and arm. Thigh and the arm, Honestly, yeah. I don't even think they're the fattest, I think it's just the, the parts he could carry most easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he huh. goes on for a few more days, he actually finds and eats a pair of ducks according to... I believe Pierce, he literally just like rips their heads off, like with his bare hands. Yeah. There's, a, there's a point where you just stop. There's caring. a point where it's just, like, you just, 
yeah, yeah. Like, why take the time to cook it? Right. Uh, like, you, you don't have time. You have to eat now. Yep. And then eat a few days after that... Well, he's, he's got no tin flinder, uh, flint and uh, tinder nope, either. they took it. They got that from uh, yep. Mather after they killed. It's not like they left that. Shit. So, um... At the, basically, he killed the ducks. He continues on for a few more days, and then he comes across a flock of sheep and a shepherd. And the shepherd is someone he knew. Can you imagine just standing there as this shepherd, <laughs> seeing this crazed man? Well, no. Actually, what happens is he apparently finds the sheep, like the flock of sheep, and he chases after one. He tries to yeah, kill he's it. just flailing after yeah. it. Yeah, and like as he's doing it, the shepherd comes up, like threatens to kill him, and he recognizes the guy and like starts talking oh to him. God. And the guy like takes him in and like basically takes him to, like a little like shepherd's like um, hut essentially. Imagine how long it would have taken Pierce to become coherent. Apparently, he like was able to talk to the guy in like immediately. Oh my like God. apparently, he was good enough. What? Uh, by this point, he had spent forty nine days. That's Travel- insane. Yep, traveling through some of the most difficult country in the world. Is Murders it- aside, this is an amazing feat of survival. Is it too early to make like a shepherd's pie joke? <laughs> like I was like waiting for one it half to be, former like- sailor, yeah. like, half a pound yeah. sailor. Yeah, it's like an Aztec chili so, recipe. Yeah, it's, it's a scene chill. from um. <laughs> oh fuck! What is it, Sweeney Todd? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, really? Exactly. Though. Have That's you had ex- the Royal Marine? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's my favorite song. Well, hey, and Sweeney Todd was deported to Van Diemen's land. That's he can't. Oh my God, was he? Yeah, that's why that's what happened is he was his his brain was essentially destroyed by hard labor. And so he had no morals left. And so when he came back from hard labor to London, he's a fucking sociopath serial killer. (laughs) Pierce of Pierce got back. What if Sweeney Todd may actually have been partially inspired by by Alexander Pierce? I could believe that it. legitimately could be true. I don't know. I'd have if to it look is. into it. Ooh, we may have that may be a future episode. That'd be kind Sweet, of fun. Like, Sweeney Todd isn't his real name anyway. Yeah, right. He had yeah. a real name and a family. Yeah. Um. Anyway, <gasps> so basically, like I said, so Pierce lucked out. He ran into someone he knew. Brittany, there's your next conspiracy episode. Broadway conspiracy. Broadway conspiracy. Fuck, <laughs> Sweeney I'll Todd just do Alexander it. Pierce. You should. I. Oh, go on. Go on. Um. So basically, Pierce like. Runs in this guy. This guy takes him to a shepherd's hut. They move him to another hut. And basically, Pierce essentially finds, like, he just works out on the frontier with, like, other sheep herders. Oh God. Slowly trying to move his way further inland. By the way, he might have spent some of this time as a bush ranger again. <laughs> so yeah. he goes out and just becomes, like, a fucking highwayman again. Yeah. No because kidding. honestly, what else can he do? Because if he goes back to, like, Hobart Town... He's fucked immediately. Yeah. Oh. Like, and I don't know. Basically, he's a bush ranger, and one morning the group he's with, wait, they wake up and they're surrounded by soldiers. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Oh. Can you imagine going through all that work? By the time of his capture, he had been free for 113 days. About or a bit less than half of that was his horrifying trek through the wilderness. Jesus Christ! So he only made it another like, like a, extra yeah. 50 days. Dude, that's like a yeah. a month and a half. That's a like little a, over. He month. he probably still looked like shit. Yeah. He probably still looked like an emaciated, like, beast. Well, even under these circumstances, he's not eating well. He's just eating better. He's not eating, eating people period. anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, after this first confession, we get the not... Or after this first... Uh, ca- or after this first escape attempt, we get the Knopwood confession. Which, like I said, literally he gives the confession. He openly talks about the eating of people. He's... Now, it sounds like, you know, like I said, it sounds like he tries to paint himself in the best light. Like, oh, I was never involved and I just did it to survive. But literally no one believed him. Like, apart from the guy, like, taking the confession, everyone's like, oh, his friends are still out there. He's just covering for them. Because even though he's an Irishman, he's still a European. And Europeans don't do this. We're unless not they're savages. Out on the sea. Exactly. That's literally it. 
They just did not believe him. So oh. they actually kept looking for the other escapees because they thought that they had like were still out as bush rangers. Oh my sly Irishman. Yeah. He's like, no, I definitely ate my friends. By the way, going back to his uh, account of murdering Greenhill, I like how he describes I slyly crept over to him. Like, uh. Oh yes, I was really crafty. It's like the tiptoe. Yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like it shows like the footage and like the guy narrates on top of it and like they like don't match up honestly like, i slightly crept over to him and like Green Hill, like wakes up like nah honestly think about how scary that'd be imagine being green hill and you like think you hear something so you wake up and you move a little bit and then you just hear like this flurry is like this uncoordinated <laughs> like just stumbles his way towards Shit, that final no that is beat. that's nightmare fuel yeah Fuck. in that horror no <laughs> have you guys have you seen the movie creep yes <gasps> the horror movie creep it's yeah. like the end of the movie creep yeah. basically oh, oh. Except Which, you know the guy's coming. Right. Oh, Listeners, fuck. if you haven't seen it, it's a phenomenal horror it's movie. It's so good. Oh, boy. Terrifying, but so good. So, after the after the Knopwood confession, um, he gets sent back to Sarah Island to finish out his sentence. <laughs> oh, my God. So, he gets back, and he is, like, feared, admired... And also thought of as a fucking liar by everyone there. Yeah. Because on the one hand, people are like, there's no way he ate those people. But on the other hand, they're also like, what if he, but did he eat got home? Yeah, it's yeah. literally that. He's <laughs> the only he one did. that came back. He's the only one who came back. He got there. He he got through the whole line. Like, even, basically, there's people like are like, an... even if they didn't eat each other, the fact that they made that whole trek is awesome. And Unreal. he's the only one that came Like, there's like an air of mystery there, whether he ate his friends or not. And also, apparently, he didn't really talk about it, too. So he did, honestly, from like the PR thing, the smart thing, where he just let people fill in the mystery around him. I, mean, I wouldn't want to talk about it either. I wouldn't no. either. No. But anyway, like I said, he's both feared and respected and kind of admired by everyone on the island, especially the other inmates. One of these inmates is a boy named Thomas Cox, who tried <laughs> to convince Pierce to escape with him. Cox and balls. Yeah. I don't um, like that joke. I'm eventually, <laughs> <laughs> so eventually Pierce agreed, but only on the condition that they either that they get a boat or travel along the coast. Look, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going back. They told him. I'm not ready to do another. I just picture Cox being like, well, you know how to go through there. You know how to do it. And Pierce like grabs him by the lapels and puts him up against the wall. He's like, I am not going back in I there. I legitimately think that's it. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact. Do you want to know what finally convinced Pierce to escape with him? What? This should give an idea of how fucking awful Sarah Island is. Someone stole Pierce's shirt. And because Pierce failed to protect prison issued, like his prison issued shirt, he was going to get 25 lashes. Oh my god. 25 lashes because someone stole from him. Oh my god. Isn't that bullshit? That's such shit. That's uh, that's a prison system. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> so, Fuck. Cox and Pierce set out. Pierce is found 11 days later after he and Cox had fled near the mouth of the King River. He had Cox's flesh in his pockets. And oh no, I sure, sure, Governor. I'm just carrying this for a friend. <laughs> that this... was a really bad time to take a drink. <laughs> um, the guards thought this odd because they reported, like the guards who still found Pierce, report that he still had food. So he just killed this kid to kill, the kill kid. him. Just honestly, it's like a Wendigo thing. Yeah, it's oh, like he killed he him got, and cooked them and ate him. He, he was got, just like, "Oh, cool, extra supplies." Yeah, sure, we'll escape together. According to Pierce, he had killed Cox when he found out that Cox couldn't swim across the river—a fact that would necessitate a trip further inland. <gasps> and he said, "No." Yeah, I'm it's, never doing that again. I I think uh, Pierce's account is literally like they had an argument, 
and then Pierce just sat down and stewed by the fire. And Cox came over to him to say something. Pierce just, like, turned and murdered him. <laughs> like, imagine that. Just sitting there seething in rage. And the second Cox opened his mouth, Pierce like, that's it. That's it. It's just... He probably knew... Yeah, he didn't have that I'm long about, to think. He I'm about just... to end this man's whole life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, he said he had given himself up because he had no hope of escaping and because he was horse-stricken by his own actions. He's just broken. Um, after his capture, he gets interrogated by Lieutenant Cuthbertson. This is where we get the Cuthbertson this confession. Is the second account. Yeah. He also confessed to a priest, but like I said, we don't have the details of that. So, Pierce is tried on June 20th, 1824, and he was hanged at Hobart Town on July 19th, 1824. And Michael, do you want to go ahead and read his supposed last words? Man's flesh is delicious. It tastes far better than fish or pork. Michael, he said, may God have mercy on my soul. Where did that come from? Oh, no, this is what... What? <laughs> this is what you wrote down for me. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Is He's this a... from your sleep journal? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah, he basically, his final words. Again, I those seem like... Those seem almost like too good. I mean, it's... As, as far as wrapping up this story. Yeah. So I don't know if I believe him, but I say let's end it there because that's such a good yeah. thing. Man's flesh is delicious. It tastes far better than fish or pork. I mean, if you think about, like, what's the what's the kind of like the folk saying is that hunger is the best gravy? Mm-hmm. You know, like, like there's nothing oh. like being starving to really make food taste good. And there's... this man has experienced starvation at a level that no one else Very has. That, yeah. it, there's like a point where it's like, eating a person to be fed and then there's another like he he ate it because it tastes well not just like because, it, it, but it he's makes like, me think he's of like, like uh, Wendigo stories it makes right. me think yeah. like the Swift Runner story where he like killed exactly. his whole family right I yeah. mean this guy this guy has experienced a level of of deprivation that very few people have had and then the fulfillment like just the rush of having food again mm-hmm did they even, oh, like... There's um there's a tagline for the movie Van Diemen's Land, which is about this, and I don't know why this tagline always kind of sticks with me. I don't know why it's just it's very unsettling, and it's just hunger is a strange silence. Oh <laughs> fuck no, uh uh-uh. uh, hard pass. Oh god, hard pass. All right, all right, so, everybody. Yeah, everyone, that's Alexander Pierce. The story of Alexander Pierce, part two. We, we're wrapping it up. Yeah, we're oh, done. All oh right, my god. first, uh, first two parter in the can. Hug your friends and family close, and make sure you're the one with the axe. <laughs> and make sure they don't catch you asleep. Yeah, and that you don't lose the flint and tinder. <laughs> Lock your Ooh. room. Lock your room. Good yeah. fucking god. All right. Well, thank you, Jake. That was holy shit. What a journey. Hey, thank you. I had a lot of fun taking yeah. you guys through it. So I hope you guys, every, I hope everybody listening enjoyed this. Um, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on social media, uh, Drunk Thunks on Facebook and uh, Instagram. Oh, and no, we're Twitter. D-Thunks on Twitter. D-Thunks on Twitter because some other jerk already <laughs> stole Drunk Thunks. Uh, I don't know. Maybe go check him out. I don't know who he is. If, if you're thinking about checking him out, check us out Definitely instead. check us out first. Uh, we're cooler. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Uh, we talk about cannibals sometimes, but yeah. if you uh, if you want to send us ideas for the show, if you have comments or want to reach us directly, if you have topics that you'd like us to talk about, you can find us at drunkthunks at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. So uh, thank you guys oh, very much. Um, also, like, you know, just recommend us to friends. I would hesitate to say family unless they're like super cool about a lot of stuff. Yeah. I know. <laughs> unless but you're I mean, really cool at a lot of things. I mean, honestly, like, you know, if you're on like 
Reddit, Facebook, or something, yeah, you know, recommend us around. That's, I think I think that has a lot more impact if you as a listener does it than if we do it. Honestly, the best thing you can do for this and for us, if you want more episodes, if you want us to keep making stuff, the greatest thing you can do is share us with your friends. Yeah. Also, uh, leave us reviews. And actually, on the topic of uh, making more episodes. Uh, we owe you guys a bit of an apology. <laughs> yeah, it's been a few minutes since we've had a chance to record, and so uh, we really, really, uh, we had some episodes uh, in the pipeline uh, that didn't work out. We ended up uh, needing to re-record those, but, and yeah. so life, but, it, life is funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, like you heard in the driest episode where I mentioned Michael. Yeah, you just did an episode on D and D. Well, we, we we did do an episode on D and D, and then it turns and then out we it had didn't like to burn keep, it. But we're gonna <laughs> well, not quite. We're, but gonna, end up, we're gonna end up redoing that. And yeah, so, so there is lots of stuff coming. But we just want to thank you all for bearing with us through that kind of two month period, yeah, roughly. I, we are we're all so grateful to have you as listeners and to to basically to be able to do this. I mean, we're having a blast, and we. I mean, I'm gonna keep doing it. I know you guys are too. Yeah. So for the foreseeable I mean, future, yeah. I will definitely keep doing this, and I definitely will not go camping with Jake, um, ever. No, I bring lots of food. I'm a great camping buddy. <laughs> all right. He brings lots of friends, is what he means. Yeah, but, I mean, whatever. Uh, it's, it's what is it a cannibal the musical <laughs> thing where like the four yeah. guys come and one bad like, guy comes yes. down? I don't know what happened to those guys. Yeah, <laughs> Jake's over here like he's like I bring lots of food. And Michael's like yeah I bring. But by that he means he brings lots of friends. And yeah. then Jake's over here like tomato tomato. Jake's 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 packing list for a yeah, camping trip. Yeah, you say tomato, is... I hit you over the head with an axe. <laughs> yeah, right. Jake's camping list for a good trip is friends and alibis. <laughs> <laughs> some beer all right well thank you everybody uh thanks for listening to drunk thunks and uh we'll talk to you soon all right talk to you then i I love love you shut up i love you more (laughs) you know i love you too (laughs) do you yeah bye all bye oh goggles awful